Last week, we talked about who are those who are truly blessed or who are truly well off. And we talked about these misconceptions that basically these takers are the blessed ones, consumers, which, which came even from the week before. And, and again, when we, when we read God's word, we want to make it systematic, which means we want to put pieces together like a puzzle. We want to flow. The problem with a lot of people who, 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 who look at, like even the Sermon on the Mount, they look at everything he, Jesus says as little proverbs. But no, he's teaching about life. And he's teaching about God's kingdom. In, in a good teaching or sermon or a talk, a lecture, whatever, it, it flows. It makes sense. And so as we're looking at all this, as Matthew's putting things together, let's look at what we've seen. First of all, we have John, the baptizer, and we have Jesus. And they have the same ministry. That's repent, change ways. There's a different way. It's a better way. This way is the kingdom of God. Okay, and so they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, which isn't far, far, far away, but it's at hand. It's close to us. Okay, it's accessible. And then we see Jesus actually doing something pretty shocking. You know, rather than powwowing with the religious elite, he's down with the down and outs, and he's ministering to them. He's he's healing them. He's ministering to them. He's touching them. He is speaking to them. He is with them. He's eating with them. In fact, later on, we'll see that even these religious hierarchy, these elites, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they give Jesus a hard time for hanging out with them. Who, who is this guy who hangs out with the tax collectors, you know, the prostitutes, you know, the, these dirty, filthy people? What, what, you know, what's he like? What's he playing? But what he's doing is he's being real. And what Jesus is doing is he's coming and establishing his kingdom. And he uses regular ordinary people. Look at the disciples he chose, okay? He, first of all, Jesus himself, look, look, look who God chose for Jesus' parents. You know, Joseph, the carpenter, he's a normal guy. Jesus was a normal guy. You know, he wasn't a, a king of the world, you know, in a, in a political sense. He came quite humbly. And the scriptures even said that he was going to come quite humbly. He's an ordinary fellow in, as far as status is concerned. He's much more than that, obviously, as we all know. But as far as status is concerned, he came in quite normal and humbly. Um, and, of course, his disciples. We, we can, and we will continue to see their moral failings, first of all. But second of all, their, their starting point, the origin of them. You know, we've got fishermen. They're just ordinary laborers. They work. They work hard. They know what it's like to have be tired at the end of the day. They know what it's like to have a broken back. They know what it's like to be stressed out. They know what it's like not to have luxuries. They know what it's like to have nothing or close to nothing. So these are ordinary people like you and I. And I like that because, again, it breaks the idea, the misconception that God blesses the rich and the powerful and the popular and the beautiful. No, here he is with his disciples, these ordinary guys, with these people, the multitude, who are ordinary, broken thrashed, sick, ill people. And he's saying, you guys are blessed. Blessing is not taking. It's not consuming. It's not gathering. Blessing is being fruitful. It's, it's, it's giving. 
And so he, now he starts by saying, you guys are blessed, you ordinary people. <laughs> you know, you're blessed. And look at these people. They are definitely not takers because you've got people who are poor in spirit. People who are mourn, mourning, they've lost something. People who are meek, they've been passed by, they've been skipped to the line. Hungry, thirsty, you know, these people here he's describing are takers, but yet they're blessed. Why? Because blessing's not to consume, it's not to take. To bless is to be fruitful. It's to pass on. It's to produce. It's to make. To make a difference. And so that's, I think, where now we can stop and say, what difference are are we making in our lives, in the world, in God's kingdom? And of course, we ended here with Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. The same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Talking about how in our lives where we are acknowledged that we're blessed, God's kingdom's at hand. So we go out and we live our lives for God, but yet we get resistance. Well, we still are blessed because we have great company. With, and we, I read Hebrews last week. We talked about all the prophets who were persecuted for their faith. But their reward is not just temporal. It's not just earthly. It's eternal. Okay? Next slide. And now we're in... Oh, go back. Sorry. <laughs> just hit it once at a time. So now we're... Here's your picture. Salt and light. Matthew 13. And we're going to start there and we're going to, we're going to read. And we're going to... Again, we're going to go off this idea. Jesus just stated, you guys, people just like you, just like me, okay, we're blessed. We're blessed by God. So now let's make a difference. Blessings are fruitful. It's multiplying. It's making a difference in the world. It's, it's leaving behind something that's greater than who we are. And that's salt and that's light. And you go, <laughs> it's really easy. Just click. Just click it right now. Thank you. So here we go. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Now, stop and think about that. You are. He's not saying come and be the salt of the earth. He's not saying you can be the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You who are blessed, Jesus is with us. Jesus is amongst us. You're blessed. You are blessed. Now you are. Recognize you are the salt of the earth. What are you going to do with that salt? You are the salt of the earth. Make a difference. But if the salt loses its saltiness, if it gets consumed, if it gets its eyes off of what's really important, if it becomes broken to the point where God's kingdom is no longer, you know, the power, the source of the life, it, it, it can be crushed. And let's recognize that our life is a battle and Satan wants to crush us. Like that songs we're singing, like the battle of the Republic, you know, that's very much kind of a, you know, I like that one line where it goes, you know, we are going to die, basically, you know, to, to, for the benefit of other people. You know, are we willing to risk it all for the benefit of leaving something behind? Or do we just hide away in our own little bubbles and just keep bringing things to our chests? You know, but those who give up are those who kind of hide away and they bring things themselves and they just get by. And these are those who have lost the, the saltiness. What is salt? Well, uh, I steal it from Dallas Willard. I might as well, since I stole from him last week. He, he says it's, salt is something, and this is, I think, something we can all kind of agree with. I don't think he's by himself in saying this. Is salt cleanses. That's one thing. So when we're salt, we, 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 there's, a, there's a cleansing property to what we do. Now, there's also a, uh, it preserves. So cleanses, so if you have a, a wound or something, it's infected, cleanse it. 
you know, uh, preserving. We preserve food with salt. We all know that. Preserves. And it also has flavor. It's kind of nice to have around. You know, I, I don't know about you, but if you get like a bag of chips that aren't salty at all, and you might eat and go, ah, it's all right, but then you put a little bit of salt on it, it's like, oh, no, that's really good. It, it, it just tastes nice. You know, ready salted chips, my favorite. Just a bit, bit of salt on some chips. Crisps, rather. Tastes nice, you know. So, but here, here just, just stop and take, take this in. Okay, he's basically saying, you multitude, you ordinary common people, you are going to make a difference in society, in the world. Politically, economically. Now, he's saying this. Jesus himself is common in the status sense. You know, he's much more than that we know. But, you know what I'm saying. He comes humbly into the world. His disciples, the same thing. The Holy Spirit's powerful. Look at what Christianity has done. Christianity has changed. It has literally, I like to use the word, thrashed the Western world. Europe has been completely changed and altered forever because of what Christ has done to it. Uh, last 2,000 years since Christ and Christianity has developed, no other philosophy or religion or or government or system has has made the, as big as an impact on the world as Christ has. Just looking at Europe itself. Now, nowadays Europe's a bit cold. And a lot of people you and I will know who have claimed not to be followers of Christ or religious in any means, shape, or form, but they'll consider themselves to be atheist or agnostic or whatever. Believers of science, which is, I think is hilarious. It reminds me of a movie. But... But that's the world we live in. However, those people who we talk to who don't believe in God, who don't believe in religion, who don't believe in these things, are deeply religious and deeply affected by Christianity. And they have no choice because of our society. And so even people who don't believe in God, they have this sense of morality. It's like, well, that's right and that's wrong. Without Christ, without God, you can't say right or wrong. You cannot say it. But yet, it's so deep into our persons and our personalities that you, we, you have not met a person. You have not met a person in, who's, who lives in this world, lives in this community, who says that there are no rights or wrongs. You just do what you, you feel. It, it just seems counterintuitive because it's been ingrained in our system. You can thank God for that. You can thank Christ for that. You can thank the church for that. It is Christ. It is the church that has actually developed these senses of moralities. And so when we read through Matthew, we're going to read verses like, murder is wrong. Now most people, again, will say murder is wrong, even people who don't believe in God and aren't Christian. But it's a Christian principle. Why else would you say murder is not wrong? And you might say murder is inconvenient, or murder is mean, or murder hurts. But to say murder is wrong, you're, 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 you're supposing that there's a lawgiver, that there's some greater system, there's some, some greater value of principle. Adultery, again, I mean, who cares if you sleep with somebody you're not married to? Who cares if you take from somebody else? Who cares? But in us as a culture, we, we still want to do right even though we've divorced ourselves from God. Speaking of which, is divorce, lying, you know, retaliation, you know, loving and caring for people, all these things Jesus is going to be teaching us. And these teachings were heard by people like you and I and practiced and it spread like wildfire because it's good, it's good because it comes from God. So, you're salt and light. Don't let the salt lose the flavor. We're called to, because we're blessed, because of God's kingdom, we need to be fruitful. We leave things behind, we clean things, we purify things and we leave a nice flavor. 
okay? But of course, salt that is, is of no value is just thrown out to be trampled by men. It's of no value. And same thing with light. It says in verse 14, that you are, again, not you can be, not that you should be, not that you whatever. It's you are. This is a present state of being. You are a light. Do you feel like a light? Well, then pray and ask God to heal you. Show me how I can be a light. Because you are a light. But don't do what is being said here and hide the light. You are a light. Don't hide it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. City, of course, a lot of lights coming from the buildings and whatnot, right? You see it from far away and it's propped up so it can be seen from great distance because of the light that comes from the city. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, I'm going to do that as an experiment, I think, for Wednesday nighters. I'm going to like turn a light on and I'm going to put a big steel bowl on top of it and see what they do. It's like, wait, why did you do that? Because I don't want the light on. Well, then turn the light off. Why do you put the bowl on top of it? It's ridiculous. It's silly. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's kind of making light. He's kind of being funny. He's like, listen, now that you're blessed, now that you know that you're blessed, now that you know you're going to change the world forever because of me, because of Jesus Christ, and God's power, his spirit, his kingdom's at hand, and now that you've accessed it through grace and through mercy, the world's going to change because of you simple people, you fishermen, you tax collectors who are hated by people, you just, you poor people. You, 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 you silly people, you ugly people, whatever you are, I'm going to use you and you're going to make a big, huge difference. But you are a salt. Don't lose your flavor. You are a light. Don't hide it. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men, let people see who you really are. Because again, we're not talking about being hypocrites. We're not talking about being false. We're talking about being real. You are the light. It's not, he's not, again, saying that you pretend to be a light. You put your little finger up, this little light of mine, and pretend and be cute. No, you are a light. So be brave. Be courageous. Be confident. And let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When they see that light, they're going to know it's not from you. Because again, we're just ordinary common people. You know, we don't do anything fantastic and miraculous and wonderful, but God does. And God uses us, and he will do and can do. And we can expect him to do miraculous things through us, individually and collectively. So, Let's be confident. And so, again, like Danny says, you know, sometimes I get really shy. And I get really, you know, like, oh, should I say something? When I see opportunities to say something, to be a light. Again, remember what light is. Light in scriptures. Again, I saw this from, 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 from Dallas, you know. It, it, it speaks of truth. It illuminates. It shows truth. So, again, it's being true to who you are. And it's also being true to the situation. If you see a situation that needs... Something to be said. Be real. Be honest. Be truthful. It also speaks of love. Love. Caring. Kindness. Gentleness. And I like the, how the truth and love always found together. Like, especially when the scriptures say when dealing with people, to, to, to be kind. Especially when there's a, something that needs to be said and it's a bit difficult. We should always speak the truth, but we need to always do it in love. 
So truth and love tend to always go together. And the third element of light is power. Light's powerful. You know, it, it comes from a power source, and it is a power source. So do you, do you feel that about yourselves, guys? Do you feel like, first of all, that, that your life is, is, is true and complete and honest? But you are a light, so, so let it be that. That's okay. You don't have to pretend that you are it. You already are it, but let it be. It's, it's the lies that are not who you are. It's the lies that come in that tries to mess you up. But you don't, you're not a liar. Just <laughs> rebuke those lies. Don't allow them to come in and interfere with your wonderful life that God's blessed you with. Love. You're not a hater. It's sin. Sin's part of the human nature that we fight and we're tempted with, but you're blessed by God. Allow yourself to love. All I like about love is love is simple. Hating, fighting, gossiping, all that stuff is very complex. At the end of the day, it gives you a great big headache. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But love is so simple. It's so direct. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like When I find I want to love somebody, I want to just care for somebody, a lot of times I have to just let a lot of things go. You know what I'm saying? I have to let go my preconceived ideas. I have to let go the tension. I have to let go my, my own you know, doubts and inhibitions. I have to let those go. And then once they're all gone, it's a direct line from one person to another person. Now I can love you. Love is just pure and straightforward. So is truth. It's just pure and straightforward. And so is the power that comes through this. It's a power. Being a light, loving, and being truthful and honest and being available is a powerful thing. You will start to see as you practice these things, as kingdom, you know, God's kingdom and his spirit is just working in your circle of influence and in your life, you're going to see it's a powerful thing. It, it's good for your health. Mentally, physically, you know, it is. Because all these other things, even modern medicine says that stress and anxiety, what does it do? It causes cancer and ill health, ages you quickly, you know, it's not good. It causes other complications like substance abuse and neglect and depression, you know. But these things that God has given to us and says who we are, it's pure, it's simple, and it's frankly good for your health. And so people will see you because, again, these things aren't the ordinary way of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These things are weird, this loving and truth and um, this power that comes from it. And so when they see you, they're going to say, that person is indeed different. They've, they're blessed by God. We are blessed by God. Let people see that we're blessed by God, and maybe they too will see that they are blessed by God as well. And they will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Okay, the next little bit, and we'll end with this. And this is straightforward. Now, at this point, these people are saying, what? They say, and say what? That's what they're saying. What is Jesus talking about? All the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all these other religious leaders, they've devised a hard system for these people that they cannot live by. Remember, we talked about that. They're poor in spirit because they can't do it. They feel that they're not qualified. They feel insignificant. Because the religious leaders of the time have made them feel that way. Because they devised laws and rituals and all these things to crush the people. It gives them something fantastic to talk about and to make themselves so proud and so arrogant and so boastful about. But it does the people no good. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he does us a world of good. Anybody and everybody. It's these religious hoo-hahs that have caused them to be so confused and has messed everything up. And so they're saying, but wait, what about the religion? 
According to the religion of the day and the misconceptions we talked about last week, we're total, complete, utter failures. Right? And so Jesus is seeing this. I'm sure as he's teaching this, the people are going like this. What? And so he needs to make it very clear that he's not going against God. He, everything he does is totally, 100% consistent with what God is doing. It's time to clean up house. It's time to remove the rubbish. It's spring cleaning. Remove the rubbish. Again, like we learned about light and salt, when we practice these things, they're pure and they're direct. It's all the rubbish that comes around that we need to clean. That's why it said when, when, when John the Baptist says, prepare the way. Spring cleaning. Remove all the rubbish that gets in the way. Jesus is saying, that's what I'm doing. I'm not breaking any laws. In fact, I'm doing the exact opposite. I am fulfilling. And that's what it says here, starting in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish, to shame or to break down or to, to do away with the law or the prophets. That speaks, the law speaks of you know, Moses and his work. And then the prophets, of course. So basically the Old Testament, it's the word. I'm not come to go against the word or to destroy the word. I have come to, uh, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, to complete them. Jesus completes the word. And so we say today, the Old Testament is actually all about Jesus in anticipation. And the New Testament is all about Jesus in its fulfillment and its completing of what God's doing. So in verse 18, I tell you the truth. Aren't you glad he tells the truth? Doesn't lie, doesn't, you know doesn't deceive, doesn't paint a false picture. He's straightforward. So I will tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter or the least stroke of a pen by any means disappear from law until everything is accomplished. So he says, I am a total, utter fundamentalist, basically, when it comes to the word of God. (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying. He goes, I take God's word utterly seriously, so seriously that every little simple little mark of the pen Every little dot of an I or crossing a T, I say that is God's word. So he's saying, I have no problem with God's word and God's law. And so to, to us, we should take it utterly, totally serious. But the problem he has is all the rubbish that gets dumped on top of it. And that's how I feel as well. I love God's word, but it's what re- religion does when people come in and start putting and adding things. It's just clear that stuff away. And that's what Jesus has done for these people at this time. So he, again, he's going on and he's concurring. Anyone who breaks one of the least of the commandments and teaches others to do the same, again, he's talking about those who break the law and heretics, those who don't understand the law or misteach it or twist it. They shall be called, I'm sorry, and those who teach others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be great, are called great in the kingdom of God. So he's saying, no, in fact, those who come away from God's word and don't take God's word seriously or misuse it or twist it or lie about it, those, they may be in God's kingdom, maybe their heart's genuine, but they're heretics. They'll be the least. (laughs) The great ones in God's kingdom are the ones who take God's word serious. Okay? But whoever practices and teaches these commands, the Bible. That's how, we, that's how we make it real for today. He's talking about the Bible of their time, the, the law and the prophets. But that's still the word of God that we have on our laps right now. 
for those who learn it, practice it, which means make it a part of our lives, and teach others to do the same, are great in God's kingdom. Why? Because God's word is powerful. It builds us. It teaches us. It instructs us. And Jesus is agreeing with this. He's like, listen, those religious hoo-hahs who are putting all this burden on you, what they're doing is not scriptural. I'm coming here to tell you that. And I want to show you what is scriptural. And, and he's going to start teaching them every day, starting on verse 21 to the end of this sermon. He's going to talk about everyday things. Everyday things that you and I can use every single day of our lives. But right now he's still introducing us. And he's saying, listen, you're blessed. You're going to make a difference. But do know that the word of God is the word of God. It's the source. 